Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. Today's episode is number five, named Born to Fly. And this is a special episode to announce the launch of the Born to Fly podcast. Because of that, we're featuring our first interview from the Born to Fly podcast on this week's Neil and Amy podcast. So this new Born to Fly podcast, what we'll be doing is interviewing people and telling their stories of inspiration and how they've risen above. And you can check them out on the Born to Fly podcast at Ewing's Co. That's E-W-I-N-G-S-C-O dot com. Or you can go to your Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You ready? Let's jump into this episode. So stories of inspiration, like they're always like encouraging that they make you want to soar. They make you want to like... They make you want to do better in your own life. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the heart behind why we select the interviews that we do, because there are people in this world whose stories need to be told. And today we are interviewing a youngish man by the name of Kenny Hagler. And uh, Kenny is near and dear to Amy and I's heart for many, many reasons. We've known him and his family for decades, literally. But over the last about seven or so years, we've had a lot of time spent with Kenneth Hagler. So, um, what do you what do you think? How do we intro Kenny, Amy Danielle? Okay, Kenny is the number three baby of the family. Hashtag baby brat. Oop. And I love doing pants. that. Yeah. Um, he has two older brothers, Ronnie and Donnie, which we have talked about Ronnie and Donnie on our other podcast. And we've also talked about why we do not understand why. Kenny's parents did not name him Connie. Yes, we're very disturbed about that. I'll Kenneth that really question once. threw that one out. It just doesn't make sense on the tongue. Ronnie, Ronnie Donnie, and Donnie, and Kenneth. It's like, what? What? So they messed up the first two times, so they wanted to go a completely different route. Oh, <laughs> for a yeah, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kenneth is a gentle giant. Weighing in today at how much, Kenny? Um, like 230 pounds or so. Okay. And in your past life, you were about 305? Give or take. <laughs> I'd like to think take, but uh-huh. you never know. Yeah. So Kenny has um, overcome some, some challenges of just being flat out overweight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's partly why we want to share Kenny's story. But really, I think that at least from my vantage point, the idea of uh, Kenny's overcoming some of his weight challenges is that was kind of like more of the outside man, because what we've also seen is we've seen some inward transformation with this guy and and really just like a complete revolution in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, he is somebody that we actually have very close with uh, with our family. Um, In fact, uh, he he works with us. Um, He's you know, he's a part of our, our restaurant Ewings on the Kern. Um, where our tagline is "Born to Fly," and we really believe that eagles rise above, and uh, and so we 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 Kenny started off as an eaglet, a three hundred and five pound eaglet, <laughs> but he is uh, he's feed absolutely me, mommy, feed me. rising, he's rising <laughs> and flying. Um, so that being said, you got any any other intro points, or should we just dive right in with this guy? Yeah, I think we should start getting some questions going his way. Yeah, backstory. Give us a little bit of your uh, of your history, family history, you know, leading into like your high school high school days and some of that stuff. Who are you? Um, well, <laughs> and first of all, are you nervous? So nervous. What? I don't like I don't like being the center of attention. Like if we were having this conversation without the microphones, I would still be uncomfortable. Good just because, yeah, that's just who I am as a person. Well, I don't like making eye contact with Amy. So if we could do something, let's about just that. pretend. <laughs> just while you're telling stories, let's just pretend we're going around picking up Facebook Marketplace finds. Okay, we just pulled up at what's her face's house, some in random sea train and yeah. the back alley of East Bakersfield. No, that was way out in the middle of Inyokern, and <laughs> that, still have nightmares about that. Yeah. Um. So growing up, like I didn't have a super close knit family. My like my mom was like in and out kind of this ended up splitting up when I was a little kid. Um, and that like was something from a young age I knew was necessary and I actually like wasn't upset about, but it was still kind of a difficult transition. Like not knowing when I was going to see my mom again. Um, didn't have a close relationship with my brothers. So just kind of growing up, I was always kind of like, 
I would pull myself out. I would kind of, kind of uh, disconnect from reality a little bit and just kind of do my own thing. So I didn't really have to deal with what was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. But um, your parents is, you know, they, they're loving parents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mom's a very loving person. Dad, incredible uh, dude that you're, you're very close with your parents. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like coming out of high school was when stuff really kind of transitioned for me more so in, I would say maybe a negative way. Um, so right after I graduated high school, I had two very close friends, one of which was Amy's cousin, um, committed suicide. And then another very close friend of mine tried. And that kind of really put me in a, in a dark place. And I was already kind of like before that, even kind of going down that road. So coming out of high school, I didn't really have a plan. Um, I had no motivation for what I was going to do with my life. So I didn't like, I was just going to kind of go until it like ended basically. Um, but in high school, if I, if I can brag on this dude a little bit, he was a pretty good baller. Like back in the day, he loves, he loved to hoop. He was in pretty decent shape throughout high school, played some ball. Did um, you have 20 inch blades on the Impala? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have an Impala? Actually, we do have an Impala sitting in the backyard at my dad's See? house. So <laughs> we knew it. One, One of the shot calling. 67. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I'm never going to put 20 inch blades on it though. <laughs> just to clarify. Does it run? At this point in time, it does not. So did right. you run in high school? <laughs> a little bit, actually. I, I used, I used to be really fast for like short distances, yeah. mm-hmm. like 400 meters and South. Like I was dusting fulls. Yeah. Got longer than that. And then, and then yeah, I was still kind of not in super good shape, so I would slow down some. You used to be able to get up, though, and, like, grab the rim, and even at one point you threw the ball down once, right, in, like, some kind of a dreamland, or was that a real thing? So, actually, the first time I ever dunked a basketball, I was five foot nine and in okay. eighth grade. So I was like – then I got hurt going into high school. Sophomore year, I got it back a little bit. Junior year is when I really got out of shape, and then everything just kind of went downhill from there. Like, I put it down once my senior year, but that was about it. Do you, do you connect in your in your like outside of high school? You were describing like losing friends and darkness, kind of showing up, mm-hmm. desperation. Do you connect any of that to weight issues? Definitely. So I'm somebody like when I get kind of in a funk, like f- food has always kind of been like just something like it make me feel kind of good. So I'm just going to go for that. And then I started working at a grocery store, and it turns out it's super easy to eat like crap when you work at a grocery store because gross food is way cheaper than healthy mm-hmm. food and it tastes better most of the time. So and yeah. it's faster, but you're, and you're so c- carrying on with like the coping mechanism. So it sounds like you were using food as a coping mechanism throughout a decent portion of your life. But one of the things that, that unlike, um, some of the rest of your family, there has been like alcohol addictions and drug addictions in the family. Um, that's part of like your brother's stories, which they'll share those in the future as well. Um, but that's not something that ever became an issue for Kenny that I'm aware of, right? You like never really right. got heavy into drugs or alcohol. Yeah. So I, I never actually have done any sort of drugs at all. Um, I've never had like more than a drink of alcohol. And that was from like, <clears throat> being like a little kid, like five years old, just kind of noticing that that was a problem in my family and like being able to sit and like, look at that and consciously tell myself, like, I didn't want to do that. Like, I didn't want to be that person. Yeah. So I've made it a point that to not be that person. Right. And then the shift kind of happened where like, I, I feel, and we say frequently, like all of us are addicts of something. Um, in some sense, like some people are addicts of just looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other people are like addicts of, uh, you know, whatever it's um, sex, food, mm-hmm. you know, but food was probably one of the things that you use to comfort yourself. Yeah. Um, food. And then I would say like, I'm an addict for people in a sense that like, I never got like the love and support that I wanted as like growing up. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've always kind of tried to find in other people. And that's kind of caused actually a lot of problems for me in life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How? Um, well, I'd get like, like super close to people. Like I would find people that would actually make me feel like good about myself. 
And then that was something that like I never really did. So I would kind of begin to crave that. And then like it just be, it's overbearing and kind of like pushes people away, makes people uncomfortable. And then like that, then I would kind of go back to like the feelings of not being good enough, being like hard to love and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Which would drive you at times into more of like, like a dark kind depression of depression type. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. It's like a downward spiral in some sense. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Are you still nervous or are you starting to roll? I'm still kind of nervous. Um, yeah. but I'm, I'm kind of getting yeah. there, I guess. Take, take a humongous deep breath because honestly, you were made for this, man. Like you listen to your radio, like podcast radio style voice. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, way to go. Cool. And you even got like I know you say you're not a smoker, but I kind of feel like you are like a closet smoker or something like that. Have you been puffing on my tobacco pipe that's out on the porch? No. Okay, because it kind of sounds like you got a little rasp. Yeah, like it's like that's it's it. like calling like a one nine hundred number, but for men. I mean, <laughs> like I don't know if that came out right. I think that's everybody <laughs> in California at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Good the point. Fires right above where we are. There's like a there is I don't know what the containment is, but massive forest fires at the time of this podcast i want to say at one point there's 377 fires in california and literally we have like ash dropping on our cars uh, where we are so it's i'm dreaming of a white september is the outro song that we'll sing you're really well, good at singing that i am it's christmas music's my favorite music i wish christmas was every day of the week of the week of the year what do you want me to say oh no, that's cool you do say what you want i wish we lived in a snow globe Oh, that seems maybe like there might be a movie or something like that that mm-hmm. had something similar. Was it Elf? No, they lived on a snowflake. The Truman Show. Okay. Oh, that one. Yeah. Sort of. <coughs> we kind of do live in a snow globe, but yeah. if you replace the snow with ash, that's kind of where we're at these days. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ash <laughs> globe. <laughs> Can you tell us about... Um, Going back to your childhood, tell us about maybe some of the lies you believed early on and you didn't even know like the vows you were making with those lies. Um, some, like whenever I, in my family, whenever we did something like good or something right, like it was just kind of like what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So there was never any like, oh, like a whole lot of good jobs, pats on the back and stuff like that. But every time we did something wrong. Like we would always hear about it. Um, so just like when that's all you hear growing up, it's kind of hard not to believe that like you can't do anything right. You're never going to amount to anything like (laughs) stuff like that. So that's always been something that's kind of stuck with me is I've never felt good enough. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like anything that I could do was ever good enough for the people around me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you still, okay. So fast forward now you're, 29 years old now? 28. Oh, I was trying to push you a little bit. <laughs> and do you still struggle with some of those same false beliefs? Yes, but I am starting to, like over the last month, and like for the most part, um, really starting to kind of battle those and, and uh, kind of kick those thoughts out of my head. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So, and by the way, like Eric, Amy, I'm just like probing questions and I could do that. Like I'm, I like doing this, but please interrupt and like, and sir, I'm not trying to like dominate question session here. Um, but backing up. So darkness, depression, some of those things you're exiting, like the teens moving into your twenties, um, weight continued to be packed on. I feel like the weight is almost symbolic of like the weight you were carrying internally as well. And, and you'd never really made like a commitment to transition to like peel that weight off or to like battle the darkness or push toward the light or the positivity of life and Mm -hmm. all of that. So now you're, you're at that age. Now darkness is really kind of creeping in. And we remember that as well. There was, there was the heaviness of what was happening in our community and in our towns and individuals Mm -hmm. were experiencing those struggles. Um, so as you're moving through, talk about like your early twenties and how you were coping and dealing and, and all of that prior to making your commitment to transition. Um, so when like all that started going on, like those were like, those were thoughts that I was kind of struggling with as well. Um, 
but something that like that I learned about myself was that that was something that if I if if me doing that would have hurt somebody half as bad as that hurt me, like I didn't want to do that to them. So one of the things that I would do is like every time I would get close to somebody, like when I would get in a funk, I would, uh, I would like start to think like, I'm not good enough for like for this person or whatever. So I would try to push them away. And my thought was like, if I could push these people away, then I could prove to myself that they don't actually care about me the way that they say they do. And then, now I don't have like their feelings or something that I don't have to take into consideration when I actually made the decision to take my life. So, um, I don't really know, like a lot of times I just tried not to deal with it. Like mm-hmm. I would just kind of compress it down, bottle it up, just try and look on the outside. Like I was doing a lot better than I was and just kind of skate through life until eventually I would just kind of dip out, I guess. Mm-hmm. When you say dip out, so essentially what you're saying is that you have struggled personally with a lot of like suicidal thinking and tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And tell us about that rabbit trail. I mean, that you've already described it pretty well, but like why, where, like what? Um, What's that all about? It just it felt like the easier thing to do mm-hmm. rather than like actually try to address it and like work through it, which mm-hmm. is like I said, I like I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, so I didn't think that I was strong enough to work through it. So rather than trying to um, like push myself to do something, I would just kind of like like when it would happen, like I would reach out to somebody, you know, some of the times like talk through it. And then like once I had like that, that feeling that like somebody actually cared. And then like when I had like, when I had people that I would like try to push away that would come back and be like, no, like, like I'm your friend. I love you. Like we're going to work through this. Like you're not Mm -hmm. alone. That would kind of like, that would help bring me back. Mm -hmm. But then like, if I didn't have like somebody on the other end of the phone or like spend a time with somebody, if it was just like me and my thoughts, it was always like that's it's just flip the switch and then it's going back there. Mm-hmm. So it was honestly like a daily struggle that a lot of times I would just kind of just go through the motions and just mm-hmm. try and hold on as long as I could. Yeah. I remember the first time, like I, I this is kind of like my first experience of like, Hey, where'd Kenny go? Like what's up? Like he was with us just a second ago and then he was kind of quiet, like abnormally quiet. And all of a sudden, boom, like Kenny's <clears throat> gone. Do you remember the story I'm talking about? Is this uh, up at yeah, house up at mom and dad? Yeah. yeah. And you were way up on a mountain. Like we're talking like six miles, seven miles up on a mountain, right? Is where. Yeah. So what happened there at like, because just tell, tell the listener what happened. Well, so I, I believe that was, I want to say that was either Mother's Day or Father's Day. The first time I'd ever been up to Tag and Robin's house. And, Which um, is my parents yeah. for the listener. And um, it's it's a house up on a hill that they built. It's like up in the mountains, and and it's like our family home essentially. So I had my brother was on the other end. Of like he was sending me text messages, just kind of he was struggling with some stuff too. And then like it was just something like that I didn't want to deal with. Like he was kind of getting under my skin. I thought he was, I thought he was being kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. So at one point, like I just kind of told him off. And I got pissed off. So I went and just sat outside on a rock for a little bit to try and calm down. Cause one thing is like when I'm, when I'm in a funk, like rather than kind of reaching out and like asking for like help or whatever, I just didn't like, I didn't want to ruin anybody else's day. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of like sneak off and try and deal with it myself. And then after I was just sitting out there for a little bit, like I couldn't calm down. I was just mad and I felt like crap. So I just got up and started walking. I was like, I'm going to go for a walk. Like I didn't really under like know where I was going. And then I ended up walking all the way down the mountain. Which is in six miles, you go from the elevation being about 6,500 foot at yeah. mom and dad's right down to what is 35, yeah. 32, something yeah. like that. Yes. To this day, one of the dumbest things I've ever did that hurts so bad. 
yeah, physically, because <laughs> you were packing on some extra punch at that time as well. Yeah. Honestly, it'd probably have been faster just to roll your ass down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's like major pain. One tubby, tubby. <laughs> Two tubby, tubby. Oh, <laughs> but you got to the bottom of the hill, and I remember like Johnny and Ashley were like, I think they found you, did they not? Yeah, literally, like as soon as I got down to the square, like I went and, like laid up against the rock and I was like, Oh my gosh, I get to rest. And I, I look up and then <laughs> here comes the excursion right down like the road that they typically like wouldn't come down, but they had to take um, one of the kids friends home and they pulled down and drove right at me. Yeah. And I was like, really? Like now I got to deal with this again. Uh-huh. Like, so they pulled up and Johnny was just like, well, dude, what the heck? Like, so I kind of talked to him for a little bit and they were heading over to Johnny's parents and uh, they're like, dude, like you want to come with us? Like, cause I was dead set on like walking home at that point out to Weldon. So they're like, I mean, it's a little bit closer at least. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, I'll go when hung out and then Todd and Lauren were over there. So like I ended up actually getting a ride home with them cause they lived out there. So it worked out. And I mean, it was honestly like, it ended up being a really good day, but, mm-hmm. but your natural response is to like run away from Eject. people like fight, flight yeah. you're gonna bail rather than like stay into the hard situation or whatever um for all the reasons that you're describing mm-hmm. yeah and we're and this is still something honestly like all of us have like amy was alluding to um lies we believe that cause us to make vows mm-hmm. and, the, and those vows specifically as i've journeyed with you for a number of years it's like you you have a vow that says, well, I'm not good enough. So if I'm not good enough, I've got to bail on Mm -hmm. people so that I'm not hurting them or, you know, or whatever. But honestly, it's like, pardon the expression, but it's, it's, that's just a big like load of crap because um, really like, you know, that there are all kinds of people around you that absolutely like love you and are here for you, but it's still the response that happens because of something that's like been built into you in some Mm -hmm. sense. So, um, yeah. So a couple years ago, you found yourself at a job that you didn't really feel like you were, it wasn't going really anywhere. Yeah. You, and um, you didn't love how your days were spent. Yeah. Um, I worked at a grocery store in town, uh, Vaughn's. I worked there for six years. And the whole time, honestly, like I never really been like in tune to what God was like saying to me or where he was calling Mm me. Um, But I always felt like it was something other than Vaughn's, but they like, I got Sundays off so I can go to church and like spend time with you guys. They were, they were really lenient with a lot of things like Mm -hmm. as far as scheduling goes, if stuff came up. So I was comfortable there. Like I didn't like it, but I was comfortable there Mm -hmm. and I got to do things like the few things that I, that I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of stuck it out. And, um, Tell us about the journey of discovering that you were you needed to do something else with your life. So it was in early like early ish twenty eighteen, the first half of twenty eighteen when I really like realized, all right, like stuff has some like something has to change. Mm-hmm. Um the church had gone through mm-hmm. a pretty nasty split. Um and then with that, like uh, during that time I was working a lot of like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., like a lot of earlier shifts. And I could see that like you guys were affected by it and you guys were hurting. So I just wanted to do anything that I could to try and like help you guys. So I would get off work. I would change, like jam up to the square and I would just be there to do whatever I could to help you guys. And then uh, one day, or it was one week, the assistant manager that we had at the store had transferred out and we got like a new manager in Mm -hmm. and my schedule changed. Like I went from working six to three, like six to two, seven to three to 10 to seven, 11 to eight, 12 to nine. I was like, I can't do anything Mm -hmm. like that is the whole day. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I was going on vacation from like, I got a week's vacation and I like talked to my boss and I was like, Hey, like, I've got this going on and kind of tried to deliver it like a second job mm-hmm. because they were always super good about working with like other people on other jobs. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I could be off by four o'clock, like four thirty, I could be over there by five and then mm-hmm. work until like nine or 10, whatever. <laughs> and she told me, no, she's like, I can't do it. I was like, why not? Like you have like this many other employees that do second, like that have other jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't you help me? And she was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do that with him anymore. It's too much. I was like, 
all right, like, and I got pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, I wanted to be like, well, like, fuck you, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But, like, I calmed myself down. I went outside, and that was the first time I was like, all right, God, like, I'm in. Like, what are you saying? So I started to kind of, like, I didn't really look for another job. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I still didn't really, like, want to go out and put in the work. Mm-hmm. But I was hopeful that, like, God would just kind of, like, drop something in my lap. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, that's kind of what happened. Take a breath, brother. Take a breath. <laughs> Relax. Kenny, would you like me to get you some water? Oh, you got some? Got some. Great. great. Right here. In my warrior flask. It's like hydro flask, but for men. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to knock my hydro? I don't have, I really don't have one anymore. <laughs> He's got all the cool stuff Kenny does. Not really. Um, so... One day, Amy approached me, and she was like, hey, how would you feel about spending the night at the square with Quincy and a couple of her friends? I was like, honestly, that sounds fucking terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to be their bodyguard. Yeah. I love Quincy. Quincy is, if not my favorite person in the world, top five for sure. (laughs) Quincy's our youngest daughter. She's a spitfire. She is like... She stresses you out. Ungodly amounts. (laughs) And like, and she knows, like, she knows that she can get away with murder with Kenny. Like, if Kenny's in charge, Quincy can do whatever the fuck she wants to do. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, no, like, this is going to be awful. Like, Quincy's a psycho. Like, <laughs> she knows, like, she's pushing the limits. And I told Amy that. I was like, I can't do that. Like, I'll punch her in the throat. I don't know. Like, I'm going to do something. I'll tie her up and throw her in the closet. Be like, I'll see you in the morning. So Amy told her, like, Quincy, like, if you want this to happen again, like be on your best behavior. And she was honestly, it was super great. Um, like, yeah, we had a great time, but, uh, so then driving up to McNally's on Johnny's birthday, we were like, we were talking about that. And I had always joked around like that. I wanted to put a bed up on the third floor and just live there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were like, Amy's like, Oh, like how was I? Like, oh, I was fine. Whatever. And Caden was like, like, why didn't you ever let me do that with my friends? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Neil was like, well, there was never like any mention of an adult at all when you wanted to do it. And he's like, well, Kenny's right here. And I was like, why the fuck am I the one that's getting brought into all this? Like, what the heck? And then uh, Amy's like, oh, come on. Like, you're the one that said you wanted to put a bed up there. And that's when Neil was like, dude, that's OTLA. And that was something that like I'd never even considered for me. And I was like, dude, like, let's do it. Okay. So let's pause because you just threw out an acronym OTLA, right? So OTLA is, is, is something that, that we've had in heart and mind for a number of years, which is, is what we would call the on-track living academy. So it's basically trying to bring people um, who are living a life that they don't want to live and, and help them get on track with like the plan, um, the calling, the purpose, so that they can be enjoying life more. Mm-hmm. And so we, we threw out an invitation for Kenny to be a part of this on-track living experiment really and he he was the first person to like take us up on this on this particular offer and that's what he's referring to and it was a year-long commitment yeah so neil was like oh that sounds like otla and i was like dude let's do it and neil like he kind of like got into like challenge mode right there because he thought like i was just talking crap or whatever so he's like dude like don't call my bluff like we'll do this right now (laughs) and i was like no honestly like i think this might be it so like we went up there, had dinner, but then that was something like that we revisited and sat and like had a talk with Johnny and really talked about like the possibility of this being a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Johnny was getting ready to leave for the fairs and I think he was like a little discouraged that it was just like a thought and not something that like at that point I was really considering doing. Mm-hmm. But then as we, as we kind of started looking at stuff, I was like, all right, well, like here in a couple of months is my, my anniversary at Vaughn's. And I've got a few things like I need to get a new bed. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had a new bed in my life. I was like, I got all this stuff that I've have to do. If I get there, then like I'll get paid out for any unused sick time and vacation time. Mm-hmm. And then I can like actually like do something with this. Mm-hmm. We're like, cool. Like, so we set it in motion. Um, I told my store manager like a month before I was like, Hey man, like September, I think it would have been eighth. I was like, this will be like my last day advance and he mm-hmm. like he was about to cry it looked like like not that i was like a good employee because <laughs> by all means <laughs> by all means i was not a good employee like i didn't like working there 
I didn't like the position that they had me in, but the store manager, like he would have me do a lot of projects, uh-huh. like anything that needed to get done. He was like, I will right, well, like, we'll have Kenny do that. Cause that's actually like where he thrives and where he will get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So then he was like, well, like, who am I going to have to do all this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out, but it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the I, challenge that was presented though, was more like, Hey, we know that like there's, I know that this kid sound, you know, cliche if you would, but that there's greatness inside people. Like there's, there really is. There's like unlocked potential inside people. And it's really sad when you see people like stuck in a funk or stuck in a rut and they, they don't have like any means. And sometimes life's so dark that you can't even see past your own nose. Mm -hmm. So you don't even know how to take the next right step in your life. And that's kind of, that was kind of the heart. So the challenge that was presented was, Hey, like if you really want to get serious and it's very similar to the challenge that was presented to your brother um, at one point as well is like, Hey, if you really want to get serious then step across the freaking line, you know, like you have to decide that that's something that you want to do because none of us can fix anything for you. You know, that, that was it. So if you want to muscle up, if you want to get your butt out of bed early, if you want to work hard, if you want to like push yourself to the limits, then, then we know how to do that. But if not, then just keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that was one of the things that you had said, you're like, Hey, like I can't guarantee you, you know, any, like anything financially or whatever. It's like, but what I can, can guarantee you is like, if you stick it out, like at the end of this year, you will be a badass That's in comparison, exactly what I said. in comparison to who you are now. And I was like, dude, like finances have never been a big thing for me. Like I could have mm-hmm. went and done other stuff and made more money, but I stayed at a job that I was comfortable at because yeah. I got to spend time with you guys there. So I was like, Hey, like, I trust you guys. Like, I trust that this is what God is doing. Like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like, so. So the journey began. And what was cool is it began on a specific date that was important to you, to us, and to your dad, right? Yeah. So when everything had lined out, like, the like Mondays have always been kind of a, like a rest day mm-hmm. over here. So my first day would have been a Tuesday, which happened to be 9-11. So then when I like, when I started talking to my dad about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Cause like, I mean, obviously like everyone knows what happened, like nine 11, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a cousin that died on nine 11 in 1999, jumping into the Kern river. Mm. So it's always just kind of been a thing. And then my dad was like, oh, like that was, that was the day that I joined the Marine Corps. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, that's kind of cool. Like he left on the, like the 10th mm-hmm. and then kind of spent the night. And then his first official day was on nine 11, much like what happened with me and yeah. you guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've always like nine 11 has been important to us just simply because we've, we believe that like we're, we all really should be on a nine one one mission to help people, to rescue people, um, you know, to get people from one circumstance to the next mm-hmm. because people are in need all around. So that's kind of like the depth of importance of that. So you started on nine 11. That was like day one and it was 2018, right? Yes. Yeah. At about 305 pounds. Hmm. Weighing in <laughs> at 305 pounds, mm-hmm. Kenneth Hagler. Kenny, what were those first couple weeks like at OTLA? It was different. Like, so I had a, a set, like, this is when you wake up, like, you get ready at this time, like, you spend this hour during your power hour, like, that's reading, journaling, like, praying, spending time with God. And then you move into, like, fitness hour. Which honestly, like that, I was excited. I was excited about. Mm-hmm. I, like I knew that it was going to be difficult, but I was like, I'm like, I was tired of being like the fat kid in the room. Like mm-hmm. every time I was with, like all you guys, like I was always like the big dude, and that was something like that. That always kind of affected my confidence as well, mm-hmm. just because like I didn't like who I saw when I looked in the mirror, like outwardly or inwardly. So like that was I was super pumped about, but everything was lined out. So the first day I woke up and uh, it was like the first time since I was four years old where I like, I no longer lived in the home that I had grown up, um, mm-hmm. grew up in. So for the last 22 years, so it was, it was different, but I was the first couple of weeks I was actually really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bring it. So I remember like the first couple of weeks I was like, dude, I'm just going to like work on some cardio mm-hmm. to try and like, help kind of get into shape. So I would just strictly like hit the stationary bike. And honestly, like my first couple of days, like I could not straight, like go hard for like a full two minutes, like pedaling that bike. I was gassed out. I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. (laughs) 
and I told myself I was never going to tell that story, but here we are. Like, <laughs> could not could not ride a stationary bike for two minutes without like wanting mm-hmm. to die. But um, and then started getting a little bit of traction, right? Started to kind of little by little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the first six weeks, like I the the spiritual growth that I had, like I wasn't like I was seeing, but I wasn't quite seeing mm-hmm. as much as I would have liked to which was a little bit discouraging. Um, but in the first like six weeks, I actually lost like 28 pounds, mm-hmm. which that like, I was super pumped about that. So that kind of like fueled me to kind of stick keep it going. out and keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because part of the, part of the overall health, and this is something that we strongly believe when he's saying like spiritual growth that, you know, some might think, well, that might be like knowledge of the Bible or how to pray or things like that. That's, that is not what we're talking about. Although those are great things. Um, it really has to do with like joy and peace and life. Like when somebody's growing in the spirit, we like to say that they're they're increasing in love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Like mm-hmm. that's what's happening. And when when we're not growing in that, we're losing love and joy and peace and right. self control and all of those things. So we're all on this like line, if you would. It's like a, a linear line, and it's either we're moving more toward the spirit or more towards selfishness. And, and those, those are opposite directions. And so the goal was wherever Kenny was on that line was to try to help him live into more joy and peace and some of those things. And that is at times like swimming upstream, mm-hmm. trying to move forward because everything in this culture wants to pull us back into despair, right. back into darkness. So, yeah, so he was seeing some good growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, don't, I wouldn't even call it growth. I would call it a reduction. He's <laughs> <laughs> seen a great reduction in his exterior frame, mm-hmm. but he wasn't quite seeing the increase in the interior that he was hoping. Yeah. But we kept telling him, like, just keep going because you can see when somebody <laughs> wants mm-hmm. to stop, right? But just keep going and, and one day at a time, that's it. And he continued on and continued on. So, um, yeah, you got all the way to the point where one year into it, you had, what was the physical transformation that happened? Um so I, I want to start by saying like, once we got into November of 2018, like the holidays were always a difficult time for me because mm-hmm. anytime it was like family's going to come around, like I knew it was going to be chaos. Mm-hmm. Like it would start out good, but it was going to end like a shit show. Mm-hmm. And that was just something like I never wanted to deal with. And that was why like I started spending a lot of holidays even before that with you guys. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I went and spent Thanksgiving with you guys, Christmas, um, So for those two months, like I was in a really dark place. So I can honestly, I can count like probably on one hand, maybe a few extra fingers, like how many times I actually went and like really worked out Mm -hmm. in the months of November and December of 2018. Mm -hmm. Like that was actually like, that was one of the darker times in my life. Right. Um, But then New Year's, I was like, all right, like I'm hitting this hard. Like I'm getting like on track. Mm -hmm. So from September of 2018 until like mid July, I lost about 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. I got down to 215, and then I kind of like, and I just did that like just to say like I got there. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like, st- I kind of stayed pretty close to that until uh, until my one year came up. Dude, you began. You became the guy that inherited my like my. If I like had a pair of jeans I didn't want anymore, I like I'd chuck him to Kenny. Like Kenny went from like, like we nicknamed him skinny. Like he, he like he shrunk. I went from like a 42 waist to a 34. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dang. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And like in a, in a 42, like at at one point was like kind of snug. And like right now I have to wear a belt with like 34 waist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is incredible. And you know, like actually like your diet had a lot to do with that as well. Right. I mean, you, it wasn't like a total, tell us about the dietary changes. Well, so I, I started eating like a lot of chicken and salmon for like for dinner. A lot of times I really didn't do lunch. Like I would eat maybe a sandwich and like bacon and eggs for breakfast, but I just didn't eat as much. And like, I didn't cut out like junk completely because I knew like if I, if I took away stuff that I actually enjoyed, like I would burn out. Um, so I didn't like, I didn't get too crazy with my diet. Um, you guys like supplied me with a lot of good options. So that helped a lot. Um, but I honestly like, it got to the point where I would fast a lot. Mm -hmm. 
where like at least like once a week I would do a full day fast. Meaning 24 hours, no food, Mm -hmm. just liquid. Yeah. Yep. And how do you think that that catalyzed your metabolism? So like when you, when you fast, it does like the first like handful hours, it just kind of like starts like clearing up like what's going on in there. But once you hit like 24 hours and get into it, it completely like flushes your system does like a complete reset and then then it's using like your actual like your body and your fat storage for Mm -hmm. energy Mm -hmm. so rather than just like using what you have taken in Mm -hmm. so that was that was huge and like still working out and working out really hard while you're fasting like shred weight like crazy Mm -hmm. right right it's awesome really awesome so that's kind of the physical transformation. Um, what are some of the the biggest, let's say, inward transformations that you think you've experienced over the course of the last you know couple of years since you made your commitment? Um, well, in that first year in particular, like I was, I was actually taking time every day to sit before the Lord to spend time with Him. Like I would do fruit tests throughout the day. What's that? So it's checking your your heart for the the presence or the absence of the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. All those things that you just talked on like that I was lacking before. So it was always something that like, I was just taking time to do that. And then as I saw like the physical transformation too, it just kind of like gave me more confidence as a person. And, uh, and then like when, when we launched crew, and you were like, all right, like you're going to be, and that was actually even before I started, but that was, I think like the starting point for me growing as a person, which you're like, oh yeah, you're going to be like one of the young adult guides for this. And I was like, no, the fuck I'm not. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm what we want these kids to see and not do. Like, why are you going to like, why are you going to do this? But then as that really took off while I was in OTLA, mm-hmm. that was like just being like overseeing something being like responsible for trying to like help make a change in, in the life in the lives of the youth, I think was probably one of the biggest things mm-hmm. that helped me grow inwardly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you get put into a position where you're teaching, helping doing those kinds of things, it kind of sparks more growth. And um, I think that's an important facet for all of us to remember that you know, we all have something to give and, mm-hmm. um, and it may not seem like the most grand thing to give, but you're probably ahead of somebody else. And, yeah. Um, so it's uh, sometimes said each one teach one and mm-hmm. that's kind of that principle there. Yeah. What would you, if you were looking at Kenny, you know, four or five years ago, what looking at yourself now on this end of the spectrum, what and journeying through quite a bit in the last few years, what do you think that you would say to another Kinney out there that was in the same predicament you were in? What would you say to them or what would you want them, you know, listening to this podcast to walk away with? One that like it gets better. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even describe like the darkness that I was in like every day. But like one of the things is like, yeah, it will definitely get better and you will come out of this like a completely different person, but you have to, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Like as much as I would have liked to, like Neil couldn't get my shit together. Mm -hmm. Amy couldn't get my shit together. I had to man up and like really start putting one foot in front of the other and stick something out for once in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the thing is like, it all starts with us Mm -hmm. and we can like, we'll go as far as we want to go. Yep. What advice would you give somebody that's in a similar situation to you, but maybe doesn't have like an OTLA just to get the ball rolling, just to get started? Because I think a lot of times for a lot of people like that initial, Mm -hmm. the initial getting it going is the most difficult part. I don't know if you agree with that, but for sure. Um, And I would say like find a crew, like find people that believe in you, that will hold you accountable and that genuinely want what's best for you. Mm Mm-hmm and stick with them. Like even if they're telling you what you don't want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're telling you what you don't want to hear. So just like 
have somebody there to hold yourself accountable when you won't hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. So just like if, if you're missing the mark, like reach out and be like, Hey, like, like I need some encouragement. Like I need you to reach out to me every couple of days and be like, Hey, how are you doing? And that honestly is like you, we can't do it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So definitely like find a crew and then just start like, don't wait till tomorrow. Just like start right now, wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Take the next right step. I think so often we're, we, when you look at 305 pound Kenny and you're like, uh, I want to be 215 pound Kenny, but it's so far away. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like looking at where we want to be versus where we actually are sometimes can be the biggest hindrance to actually getting started because it's like the journey's too far or whatever. But and then you can make up any excuse to, well, I can't lose weight because I'm where I'm gonna have to buy new clothes. Yeah, where am I gonna get clothes for two hundred and thirty pound Kenny? Right, have smaller friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that kind of the the idea is that we're always so out there in the future, yeah. and because we're too far out in the future, we miss you know the opportunity today to make the right step. Yeah, and honestly, like as hard as I thought it was going to be, it wasn't that fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like there was days where I wasn't motivated and like, I didn't want to, but like over the course of one year, like if you're like 300 pounds, like you can absolutely lose 85 to a hundred pounds in a year. No fucking problem. Mm -hmm. And at 28 years old, like that's less than 4% of my life. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not hard. By the way, Kenny's a numbers guy. <laughs> He's real quick on percentages and things like that. And um, man, mm-hmm. we like just just to be very clear, like you you being like our first born to fly, um, just conversation and interview. Um, we're so proud of the the journey, the travel, mm-hmm. the tenacity, the honesty, the rawness, um, all of that. You know, that's why we, we love you so much because people so often want to hide behind a facade and, um, and you have chosen not to do that. Mm-hmm. You've chosen to be real. And, um, and that's a big part of, of the whole solution. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I could continue this conversation for a long, long time. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts or things you want to maybe ask Kenny or, well, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you'd be, if you could describe like where you are now, because I feel like we got the beginning and the middle of the story yeah. and sort of started to get the end. Mm-hmm. But like, where are you today? What are you looking forward to? Well, just kind of to touch off what Neil just said about like being honest and not trying to put on the like, yeah, for the most part, that's been a case. But obviously, like we learned last month that that wasn't exactly the case all around like i still struggle like i still get into dark spots and like i wouldn't share that with with anybody because like neil and amy and like johnny and ashley have invested so much in me like that i didn't want them to see that i was still struggling like i wanted them to look at me and be like like wow like we did a good job he's got it all together yeah yeah and uh so which we know isn't true. Yeah. That's kind of where you're going with the story. <laughs> For sure. Um, but None of us have it all together, and that's kind of what I was trying yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. But like just a month ago, like I was struggling pretty close to as bad as I ever had. And like I didn't say anything. I didn't talk about it. Like I didn't want to face the fact. Like I didn't want it to be a reality. Mm-hmm. Like this is still going on after like, like I have a good life now. Like I love the people I get to spend my days with. I love my job. I'm not a fat ass. So all these things, but I was still like battling with darkness and like it got to the point where without have, without letting the people that care about me in like literally a month ago, like I went and drove off and tried to take my life. Like it wasn't like somebody drove by and I had like a brief, like, Oh shit, like make this call. Mm-hmm. And then in the time the phone was ringing, I was like, dude, like what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is stupid. Like, and then it, so, so as soon as that person answered the phone, I was like, I can't do this by and hung up. They tried to call back. Like I didn't answer. And then they realized that this, like this was serious. So they like, she started making phone calls, ended up getting a hold of you. And then like, 
if you didn't call when you did, like we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Like that was how bad like stuff still gets. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was an eye opening moment to, to actually address things and to speak up Mm -hmm. when we're struggling. Um, But so like over the last month, I'd say I've probably been in the best spot that I've been in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I still struggle, like I get anxious, but now I'll actually like reach out and let people help me. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's probably like the, the biggest thing for me right now is admitting that like, that just because I have a good life and things are like better than I ever dreamed they were going to be. There's like the, those lies are still going to be there mm-hmm. and to just haunt like, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to actually let people in to remind, to remind me when I can't remind myself mm-hmm. that like that, that's what those are is their lies. Mm-hmm. So like now I'm just at working at working to a point where I'm, I'm calling those what they are and I'm not like actually believing like this is who Kenny is. Like, so what were some of the things like, I mean, you just said two, three years ago, you were in a dark space, you lost uh, a lot of weight, had a personal transformation. And then a couple of things kind of slid somehow and it was a little bit undetected. And then boom, all of a sudden you're back in a dark place with a literal gun to your head. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's crazy. And just so everyone knows on our end, we didn't see it that we didn't see it like that. We'd mm-hmm. see he'd get quiet every once in a while, but, but man, all of a sudden he went from like this guy to this guy in a second. And, and honestly it was late at night, maybe 10 30, 11 o'clock. I got a phone call from somebody and the phone call was like, Hey, you know, I think Kenny's in a bad spot right now. And part of me was like, what the hell? Like this, this should not be right now. And so I called him and he didn't answer. I'm like, Oh no, he's got his phone on him. I know he's going to answer. Called him again. Didn't answer. I think maybe two, three times, three calls and a text message and a text saying, Hey, I will find you like that because, and I want to point that out just simply like I get in Neil gets in dark spaces. Amy gets in dark spaces. Mm -hmm. Eric gets in. Everybody does if we're honest. Mm -hmm. But when, when you, you know, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to deal with somebody else's issues at those moments in time, but we want to encourage you. You may not be in this crazy dark space right now, but somebody that's close to you may be right. So get your butt out of bed Mm -hmm. and make the calls, you know, do the, do the things that need to be done because, um, because life sometimes hangs in the balance and you don't even know it. And honestly, I didn't think it was that serious. Honestly, I thought you were looking for attention in some way, shape or form. And that, I don't, and in some ways, you know, maybe, maybe that like the, the inward thing was happening again, where I was like, well, I don't matter, mm-hmm. but that's what I want you to say. Cause you said some key words that next day about what some of the thoughts in your mind were about yourself. What were those? Um, so when I left, like I was, we were at the restaurant and I was in a room with literally like all of my favorite people, like your guys' whole family was there. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I just had like this kind of a brief like what I, what I told you when we were talking is that like I I can see that all of you guys can see how far I've come mm-hmm. and like that's something that like I know I've come a long way but it's not something that I always actually see or choose to believe and one of the things that um that happened was like Abby. So me and I used to be my best friend. We were super close and she was like the first person that I actually really tried to like push away. And like, she was like, no, like we're going to like, we're going to work through this. But over time, like I would like, I would just push so hard and I would at times treat her so bad that we kind of like had, well, I mean, we're still close. Like we're still good friends, but there was kind of like a wall that was put up there. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that like, sometimes I feel like, the only two people that don't see how far I've come were her and myself. And when like, when that, when like that feeling kind of crept in, then it like, then as soon as like I started to entertain that thought, like the floodgates opened and it was like, you're the same piece of shit really that you were two years ago. You're not going to change. Like these guys have invested a ton in you. Like, if you let them down now, it's going to be better than letting them down 
a year or two down the road after they put that much more into you. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what happened. What happened there? Like when I left, I didn't have the intention of going and like taking my life. Like I left to actually go like try and just work through that. Mm-hmm. But I alienated myself and I walked away from all the people that would help me work through that. And then it just got to the point where like that, like that felt like the only option at that time or the best option at that time. Yeah. You entertained a thought. You allowed your mind to go in a direction that was a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And then it spiraled really quickly Mm -hmm. over the course of like an hour or two. And all of a sudden, wham, like you're in a, in this weird place again. Um, I think that's an important thing for all of us to remember that we've got to mm-hmm. pay attention to the gateway of our minds and the thoughts that we entertain because mm-hmm. thoughts produce feelings and feelings produce actions. Mm-hmm. So, and like, I just want to say like when that first phone call that you made came in, like that was like one of those, like when that went off, it like shocked me and like, I wanted to throw up. Like it had felt like I had just pulled the trigger and like, that was kind of like the, like a bang. And I was like, Holy shit. So then like I panicked and like rejected the call and then you called back and then I was like, then like I kind of started like really like it woke me up and I was really kind of like wrestling with myself at that point. And I was like, dude, like this dude, like if, if you don't, if you turn your back on this dude, like right now, after all he's done for you, like pull the fucking trigger, like answer the phone or mm-hmm. pull the trigger. And so like after that third call, I was like, all right, like, I'm going to like try to pull myself together and answer the phone when really like I kind of answered the phone and broke down a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, your, your uh, story is, is incredible. And obviously we still, you know, all of us still have a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Um, are you committed to continuing in transformation or what? Absolutely. Hell yeah. And you know, the, there's a lot. I, I mean, I get inspired just, I know your story and I get inspired just listening to it. And, and a part of our heart is that we believe that people were made to soar, mm-hmm. right? They were born to fly. Uh, we all have to rise above circumstances and situations that are dark and, and just not good. Otherwise we say stuck. Yep. Um, you have to just like Kenny, you have to eat the chickens. Don't be one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And you got to rise above. Because, don't eat too many of them. Though, yeah. Don't eat too many. You'll turn in 2018, Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, really, like, nobody liked him that much. He was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Hey, if any of you have been watching this uh, over, like, a video, some many of you, it's probably audio, but if you've been watching over video and you've been wondering what this mess is in the room around us, what is this mess in the room around us, Amy? Well, I just like to live in a living parable. And if you wake up and you walk out to a huge mess, you'll remember you still have stuff to work on. Oh, yeah. It's a reminder. Yeah, No, it's just that I like to change things around. <laughs> she does. It, it, just about every few months, she rearranges something drastically. And so this is our little living room in our 849 and a half square foot house that was built yep. by my great-great-grandpa uh, back in the day. In and the we 20s. don't have a garage or closet. So when you're rearranging, you just have to put it right there by right the front there. door. Yeah. So that's that. I like the first answer better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Kenny, thank you for joining us. Uh, Eric, is there anything that you want to close with before we sign off? I, I don't think so. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us Mm -hmm. and not being afraid to look at some hard things, you know, fate straight on. That's key. And that gives inspiration to the listener that, it's pretty powerful when us as humans can make an arrangement with ourselves that we're going to be okay not having it all together and not having everything planned out perfectly. I think a lot of us live in these hypothetical structures in our brain. You know, we tell ourselves we're better than we are at something or that we have more friends than we really do or whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself. But there's so much power that comes when you just like look at yourself in the mirror for what you are, accept it, and then make a plan to change it. And that's what you did, Kenny. So bravo to you. you. And I think that this podcast is going to 
empower other people out there that are in the same predicament that we've all been in and have been in your shoes and they're going to be able to make a change. So I like the saying that says, do for one what you want to do for many. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're a living testimony of that. And I think that that's something now that's like ingrained in you and you'll be able to pass it down in your life. So to our listeners out there, be, I want you to remember that you are loved, mm-hmm. that you have a purpose, that there is a plan for you. And if you don't know what that is, reach out and we'd love to help you figure out what your plan is for your life if you're having a hard time with that. Someone on our team would love to have a conversation and get you on the right steps to really starting that race in your life and finishing well. So be encouraged today. Soar on wings as eagles, y'all. Oh, hey, <laughs> stay tuned for the next podcast. Great first episode, Kenny. Good Super job. cool. Yeah, great and job. And looking forward to some future stories of inspiration. Woo.